0: it takes about at least three to four years for your plans to kind of come to fruition right for you to achieve a certain scale of growth that you're looking at and then once you have achieved that then obviously you would uh, change your marketing plans to then align to the next growth phase right
1: welcome to another episode of the startup operator in this episode i'm going to be talking to Devdat Mane. dev is an enterprise marketing leader and the unique thing about Dev is that he has both demand gen and branding skills in equal measure. We spoke about his journey, his 10 years at uh, CRM company, Talisma, uh, and then his transition to cloud telephony startup, Exotel, and what he's learned along the way. Listen in to this episode for some amazing insights on how you should run your campaigns and could be more effective. Hi Dave, welcome to the Startup Operator Podcast.
0: Hi Kerry. thank you so much for having me, great to be here.
1: Pleasure to have you. Uh, so we'll start with your journey, right? Uh, so, you know, in an era when people uh, change jobs almost every couple of years or so, uh, you spent 10 years at Talisma. Uh, what was that experience like? What got you to stay there for, for you know more than a decade? right
0: right so i guess i have uh, spent about 25 to 30% of my working life there uh, but it was a great learning experience you know i joined talisman right after i finished college and most of what i have learned about the fundamentals of business or marketing uh, is by learning on the job and by figuring out things as you know the business group. and to add to that the crm industry at that time was also witnessing a really exciting phase right Uh, Where customer experience was evolving into this hub around which all enterprise decisions would revolve. And uh, products rapidly moved from providing just, say, an email or a chat communication uh, to multi channel and then omni channel communication, right? So there was a lot of action and there was a lot of learning. And the other thing that really helped me was when you spend significant time in a single organization, Uh, you get to experience the various phases of the business, right? That the phases that the business goes through. It could be the the ups and downs, you know, you get to see both of them. And uh, so with this, you develop a very well-rounded perspective of how an organization starts or scales and, you know, reaches the maturity stage. So this, I think this learning or this exposure was was very beneficial for me at that time. And I had a lot of learning, uh, you know, through that phase
1: yeah i mean uh, uh, so i keep saying this to folks on my team as well right uh, it takes a minimum of 3 to 4 years to really go through that cycle uh, of like you know momentum or efficiency and then to see some right. semblance of uh, scale right uh, of course of and course. at each phases of this uh, this journey uh, you know, there's, there's there's a different sort of a learning, right? Uh, initially, when you when you want to focus on momentum, it's all about, you know, how can you ship as soon as possible? Uh, then, you know, in the efficiency scale, it's about building processes, uh, uh, you know, making sure things are repeatable, uh, adding predictability, uh, so on and so forth, right? So, right, if, right. I mean, I'm sure that you would have seen different phases in that uh, uh, 10 to 14 year journey, I think you spent at uh, Thalesmo.
0: Right. Yeah. So I was there for about 10 years. And even if you look at a a, a typical organizational plan or a strategy, you know, it's long term. It looks at at least two to three years into the future. Uh, so when we are building our marketing plans, we are kind of somewhere aligning with the same horizon. Uh, so as you rightly said, it takes about at least three to four years for your plans to kind of come to fruition, right? For you yeah. to achieve a certain scale of growth that you're looking at. And then once you have achieved that, then obviously you would uh, change your marketing plans to then align to the next growth phase, right? So this cycle has to happen over and over again. And I think that continuity is where the actual learning is, You know, instead of just um, joining a company, say spending two or three years and then moving on and doing the same thing, starting all over again. I mean, that's that's a different kind of a ball game. but I prefer rather to have a, a much long-term journey you know, because of the kind of exposure and the experience that you
1: get. Yeah. no, And uh, I think the biggest kick is in also seeing some of the things that you predicted uh, uh, come to fruition, right? Whether it's, you know, market-wise or how customers will respond or product-wise in terms of what they will require and so on. Uh, On a previous episode, I was talking to my uh, colleague, Harish, uh, who spent about, I think, 18, 20 years at Microsoft. And Mm -hmm. the way he saw that journey was through different projects right uh, so absolutely yeah and the other aspect of uh, you know marketing uh, uh, that you also experienced was that you know you had to market in different geographies across the world right uh, while also retaining your core messaging assets so how do you contextualize your marketing for these different uh, geographies
0: so uh, just to bring some context you know i've spent most of my time at mid-sized businesses who had achieved a certain product market fit and had an initial set of customers And they were now looking to scale the business, either via expansion into a new market, launching new products, or penetrating into a new vertical. You know, the standard things you do to grow a business. Uh, So one of the first things that I would look at is how we can make the transition uh, from an awareness stage to a thought leadership stage in the market, right? Hmm. And by thought leadership, I, I don't mean building just a white paper. Uh, But it's a long-term dedication to helping customers solve their challenges via innovation, right? So thought leadership, the way I see it is an ongoing activity with feedback loops from the market, right? And I give this process about six to eight months. uh, Since there is a lot of work that needs to be done internally to achieve this, you know, you would have to do various things like uh, gaining an in-depth analysis into the industry to discover new use cases, uh, setting up new processes that caters to that specific market, you know? In terms of the uh, the regional nuances, you know that you have to cater to, and then also training the team on specific aspects of the product. Uh, and to do all this, you need to develop a very well-rounded perspective, right? Which starts with researching the market, understanding the competition, gauging the addressable market size, and then coming up with a great story uh, that brings your competitive advantage to the fore. And when we talk about competitive advantage, in most cases, it's probably just a slide, but there's a lot of work that needs to go behind the slide and there's a, there's a lot of research that you need to put in, in understanding the customer, in understanding how they behave, you know, what they do, where they consume information, what are their top priorities, what are their, some of their, you know, initiatives like you know digital transformation initiative, you know, what can you do, how do you align closely to that, you know, so you have to ride on a few of these things. And basically develop this entire perspective and then you drive this perspective within the rest of the organization, right, to the other teams. Right. Uh, because marketing plays a very critical role in go-to-market and it is essential to get that initial traction right. Uh, because the whole organization, including sales and product and engineering, everybody is relying on you to give them the inputs from the market. Uh, so I think the more time you spend understanding the market, understanding your consumer, I think you would be able to better arrive at, you know, contextualizing the understanding of the product market for different geographies. Uh, And then eventually this would reflect in your content assets, your event PPTs, your prospect meetings, where now you will be able to have meaningful conversations uh, because you've spent that time uh, in, in building this research and understanding of the market and the customer persona.
1: No, I mean, a lot of what you said really makes sense because, uh, you know, I've been guilty of this as well that, uh, you know, we delve too much on the tactical uh, things. Uh, A lot of times, I mean, you know, in terms of, hey, I mean, let's uh, maybe participate in that event or uh, let's start doing some content marketing and stuff like that. But Uh, What I've seen is beneficial as well is to take a step back and really analyze the market, talk to as many prospects or customers as possible, uh, and really have a perspective on that market, right? A well-defined perspective uh, to, you know, uh, that can sort of be your positioning per se, right? Not just simply some kind of watered down communication uh, uh, that has worked for you elsewhere. Of
0: course. And, and as you said, positioning is extremely, extremely critical, you know, because that is a starting point. And in most cases, it's, uh, you know, it's make or break situation, right? You're entering a new market, you're spending a lot of money uh, on branding, on demand generation, on various sort of activities. You know, you're trying to build the partner network. And this is really the starting point, you know, which can make or break or rather uh, kind of have a significant impact on the effectiveness of your overall presence, you know, in that market or that geo. So I, I will again reiterate that, you know, research is, is very, very important. You know, understanding the nerve of the customer is probably paramount and should be the key starting point in your go-to-market
1: journey. So how do you structure your teams internally to be able to, you know, get that kind of feedback and insights from the market?
0: Uh, so the way we have structured here is uh, slightly different. Um, so with enterprise marketing, we... Uh, Not just bring in the leads, but we work more on a demand generation kind of a model, right? In the true sense, Uh, wherein we, uh, all of us obviously are involved in research. Uh, We have divided the uh, team by verticals and by geographies that we operate in. And then once we have the research with us, then we identify as to what will be the best channel, you know, to reach out to these customers based on where and how they consume information. And then we work on the messaging aspect, and then you know after the actual outreach, once we get these interests, we don't hand it over right over to sales at that point. Uh, so we engage with them. You know, we engage with these prospect conversations. We have about a couple of meetings, try right, to understand what the requirement is, and I think this process is what gives us the edge, you know, as compared to other teams, uh, because we are spending significant time in having this first conversation with the customer, where the customer is also not completely aware about the product, right? So he's asking a lot of information and with enterprise marketing, it's more listening to the customer than talking and telling him what to do because at large enterprises, there will be some sort of customization that is required. There is integration that needs to be done. The processes are very unique, you know, from other enterprises, even within the same segment or the same vertical. Uh, So this kind of helps us understand. So we'll spend a lot of time listening to the customer and then go back um, to uh, whiteboarding and then figure out what... How can we design our solution to solve his specific problem, right? And then we prepare pitch decks and send it to them. And once we have qualified them on, you know, the band qualification, only then it moves to sales. So we have not just bought them onto the top of the funnel, but we have taken them all the way down. Yeah. And, uh, the, and this entire journey from the top of the fun, funnel to say uh, the mid or the bottom is very seamless and very frictionless because we have put in a lot of effort even before this lead comes into the funnel, right? By via research or via relevant content, you know, engaging them at, uh, say, through an email and then at an event followed by a newsletter. So we have nurtured this lead. So this helps the lead to kind of uh, move or accelerate very quickly through the pipeline. Uh, So it's very frictionless in that sense. So that is something that we very consciously do.
1: Right. And also considering that, you know, you've largely focused on enterprise deals, uh, you know, large acv and so on so marketing doesn't just end at uh, lead generation but also requires significant uh, uh, nurture and branding and so on and so forth to kind of really move that forward right move that uh, uh, down to the bottom of the funnel as you said
0: right right so the focus is uh, you know as you said in some cases it would be evangelizing it it's a um, a new product in a certain vertical or it would be uh, changing the positioning you know and bringing more of a competitive advantage uh, if it's a mature market mm-hmm. and then you uh, come up with a very targeted and personalized approach but branding is a great way to attract your audience mm-hmm. uh, but it has to be done in a measured fashion and i think somewhere uh, digital kind of takes the lead in this because now it's possible to experiment in real time you know with different budgets with different audience across geos and uh, also working with complementing products on joint branding is a great way to reach your audience uh, with minimal budgets right. and uh, combined value proposition. Um, uh, but all branding exercise, I feel, has to be very customer-centric. Uh, gone are those days of generic spending and kind of spreading the net wide. Yeah. You know, the customer has become more aware, more smarter, more tech savvy. Uh, so your branding needs to be extremely relevant uh, for it to be productive.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, uh, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? So branding has to be sort of an omni-channel experience where uh, it all comes together on multiple different platforms or experiences for a customer and it has to be tied to some sort of uh, a metric, right? I mean, it can't just be that, hey, I put out an ad in the newspaper and or, you know, uh, I put out a holding somewhere and, yeah, you know, uh, that should probably help us uh, get X, Y, or Z deals uh, yeah. this quarter. Yeah. So the other thing is that, you know, I mentioned omni-channel experience. There are so many channels uh, for a marketer, right? I mean, we're really spoiled for choice that way. Uh, from events and PR to digital and affiliate and whatever, you know, whatnot. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you pick your channels uh, along the customer's buying journey? Right. So uh,
0: especially, particularly with... Uh, Enterprise marketing or account based marketing, you know, it needs an integrated marketing approach uh, where you leverage different channels, as you mentioned, along the customer journey. Now, this differs from the kind of industry and the stakeholder that you're targeting. And hence, it is very essential to understand the buyer persona, right? Uh, where does he consume information from? Let's say which magazines he reads, which newsletter he subscribes to. Uh, so, for example, an uh, IT head in a BFSI, you know, would be more comfortable with an in-person meeting at an event, while a product manager at an e-commerce company is more accessible over LinkedIn or an email, right? So channel identification stems from a strong personal understanding. Uh, so you could start with an email, meet in-person at an event and nurture them through newsletters, uh, but all along sticking to a content delivery plan that is in line with his or her priorities. And when I say his or her priorities, it's basically understanding what is the role that this person is playing within the organization, right? And you have to align your messaging to help him achieve those roles and responsibilities which he's uh, taken care of. And for a successful multi-channel campaign, you know, it has to be, whether there are three or four things that I measure it on. You know, it has to be well orchestrated, which means there should be a sequential flow to your outreach, right? right? You have you need to have visibility into how you're going to engage with this uh, particular contact or a POC or a stakeholder over the next two three months time right? At least it should be planned and documented somewhere. Uh, Then there has to be a sustained period of time, you know, over which this campaign is run with regular iterations. And the third piece is obviously great content, you know, it gives you better results. And the content also has to graduate, you know, uh, as the customer advances through his journey. Now, for example, you cannot give the same content at sign up uh, and the same content for, uh, sales when they are going and uh, meeting the customer in advanced stages, right? Yeah. So the sign-up content may talk about product and pricing, whereas sales enablement must have literature showcasing the ROI and the cost-benefit analysis. So that is a key differentiation that you know we need to make.
1: Right. I also want to talk about a transition, right? Uh, you know, Talisma is a mid-sized company, Exotel is a startup. Uh, I'm sure you, know, you would have uh, built out a lot of these processes and your teams would have matured at Talisma, uh, what was it like to start up from scratch at uh, Exotel? You know, what was the challenge like?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was challenging in the beginning, no doubt. But I kind of uh, enjoyed that. You know, it was like uh, being put at the wheel of a car moving at, you know, say, 100 kilometers okay. per hour. And now you have to learn to drive and maintain the speed at the same time.
1: Steer it in the right direction also.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a tough balance, you know, but uh, getting your hands dirty early on helps with accelerating the learning curve. Uh, and along with that, uh, being a marketer, obviously you don't have to come in and make uh, big changes, but you need to have a certain lineup of uh, well thought through campaigns, right? Based on your initial understanding, which you can execute early on, right? So at one end, you are uh, learning about the organization, the processes, the product, uh, and the market. And at the other end, you are also kind of conceptualizing and lining up these campaigns, which you can roll out you know, as soon as possible. And some may fail, right? It's it's obvious. Uh, But it's always better to uh, learn early than to wait till you're 100% sure, which I never think you would be. Uh, So the the idea is to ship it out as soon as possible and just learn from it very quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, not wait for processes to take shape, but, uh, you know, rather execute hard and, uh, you know, allow it to sort of organically form, right? But always be cognizant of that. Uh, The other facet of your experience is also that, you know, you've operated in sort of crowded markets, I could say, like CRM or cloud telephony. Mm -hmm. Uh, In these markets, again, how do you differentiate yourself and, you know, avoid your product being seen as a commodity as such?
0: Right. So we have have had some good customer logos, you know, across verticals and markets. Uh, So we obviously leveraged our understanding of those use cases uh, to penetrate deeper into those verticals or markets. Uh, but for new verticals, you know, building a deeper understanding of the industry helps us a lot to make the messaging more relevant and specific. And with enterprises, it's all about value-based marketing, right? So uh, you have to combine the clarity of your value proposition uh, with the right individual or persona in your target account, right? So the more clear you are about your value proposition, the better your positioning is. And then your identification of the right person or POC. Um, if you bring these two together, then that's when the magic happens. Uh, and in addition to this, we use some practical things like we have commissioned uh, surveys with publications who had a stronghold in the verticals we were targeting, and explored ways in which we could make use of you know other vehicles in the industry such as your analysts or trade bodies. Uh, but by and large, the idea is always to play to our strengths and highlight some of the innovation we have had in terms of uh, helping customers either comply with regulations. Or another great example is free discovery call with prospects, you know, Uh, a lot of them, especially if the product is new and they uh, kind of have it somewhere in their roadmap, uh, they want to learn more about the product and giving them a free uh, discovery session for about a couple of hours at their office site, you know, really helps them understand more about the product. And also you get to build a very, uh, you know, personal rapport uh, with these decision makers, which then, you know, goes to your nurture phase and, you know, the rest of the uh, marketing activities follows and things right. like iso certifications among that. so these are all elements that uh, you need to have as a part of the internal preparedness you know when you're going out and targeting in a highly commoditized market you need to have as many differentiators as possible so and it eventually boils down to having a very um, great you know
1: positioning story which combines all these different elements right right and you know just by nature of having to work on enterprise deals especially Uh, you have to work extremely closely with sales, right? Uh, And, you know, sales and marketing don't always get on the same page. Uh, So any tips that you have on aligning more closely with sales teams?
0: I think it goes without saying it's extremely, extremely Uh important, you know, and I won't stop at sales. I would say even product, right? Uh, And marketing can no longer afford to work in silos because there is tremendous competition in the market and the only way to get ahead is to combine and consolidate the sales and marketing efforts right and with this you are making it making the whole process more effective and also building agility internally uh, to respond to a fast changing market uh, and in doing this you know regular cadence help i think that should be the first starting point right you know let's don't don't break your head trying to set up you know processes for interaction and collaboration you know all that is fine but i think you should start with a regular cadence you know cadence which uh, everyone attends, you know, in the first place, both from marketing and sales. So the first step is to is to talk more often. Uh, don't wait for formal setup to share updates. And most importantly, don't uh, hold back any information. You know, make the information flow as seamless as possible, uh, you know, between marketing, sales and product. And uh, yeah, I think that should be a great starting point. You know, just talk more, talk more often.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's kind of a no-brainer, but I mean, somehow seems to slip through the cracks because, uh, you know, each one is doing their own thing. Uh, but look, I mean, if you look at a campaign, right, there are two things that broadly you can optimize. One is the sourcing and second is the engagement, right? And mm-hmm. of course, I mean, there are, you know, a thousand elements in between and around, but, uh, you know, you're not going to tweak your uh, uh, sourcing in silos or your engagement in silos, right? Uh, yeah. So either the top of the funnel or the bottom of the funnel you ought to be talking to your sales and marketing folks uh, on the same page uh, uh, if not on a uh, a weekly basis at least on a fortnightly basis to understand mm-hmm. hey, how can i improve my campaigns uh, to generate better better quality leads or you know uh, how can i improve my engagement uh, so that these things move faster through the funnel right of course
0: and once you start doing this right um, yeah I think both sales and marketing need to see uh, some sort of a, a response from the market, right? Once you start doing this and you close a deal, you know, jointly, yeah. and then you get some more information from that, you pump that to product, and or you make changes to the pricing structure, right? These are our learnings for sales as well. And there's a lot of learning for us in terms of, yeah. as you rightly mentioned, uh, what is a typical uh, sales uh, queries or questions that the sales get, right? So how can we address some of them in the marketing stage itself, yeah. uh, even before they come to the funnel? Uh, so once we see all these uh, activities coming together and having a positive impact on the market, then I think it will just be a second nature for sales and marketing to collaborate more and more, right? But absolutely. that process has to start somewhere at some point. Yeah, And I think regular cadence is, is very, very important.
1: No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it also comes down to what uh, marketing really thinks of uh, its goals, right? Uh, you know, I've talk to plenty of marketing teams that just want to give MQLs to their, uh, you know, sales teams and be done with Mm. it, right? Mm. Uh, uh, Fine, you could do that, but then, you know, those MQLs have to matter, right? At the end of the day, you have to to move the needle for the company and any metric that you are uh, Mm. going to commit to has to be a proxy for revenue at the end of the day. So, yeah. Interesting. And I've seen this, uh, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, I've seen this give ROI in a matter of days and weeks, right? Mm. It's it's such a, it's such an obvious thing. Um, Yeah. So, all right, Dave, uh, let's do a rapid fire round. I mean, nothing scandalous uh, as such. (laughs) So, just some quick answers. I I believe you. (laughs) Just some quick answers to the following questions. Um, Okay. The best marketing campaign uh, you've seen executed. Mm, I
0: think I like the some of the IBM campaigns. Uh, yeah. Just by the pure nature of the scale at which they have to manage this and across geographies and markets. Uh, so I think uh, the engine behind that is is really massive and the scale at which they operate. So I think some of the IBM or even the Oracle campaigns, you know, large enterprise campaigns. Yeah. And 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 the beauty about that is these campaigns are. Content is very heavily driven by uh, internal SMEs, right? The subject matter experts. Mm. Um, so they try to make it as relevant as possible, and but at the same time keeping it uh, very region specific. So I think some of those campaigns I like.
1: Yeah. No, I mean uh, one of my favorite campaigns of all time is uh, IBM's line in the 80s, uh, which said nobody ever got fired right. buying an IBM. Right. Okay. Right. Of course. I mean, hit the nail on the head. So. <laughs> All right, moving on to the second question. One thing your boss told you that you can never forget. Don't worry, it'll work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, sometimes sometimes it's just the simplest things, but uh, I guess the timing matters, right? When yeah, I know it works. And
0: when, 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 when you are executing, let's say, you know, large events and things like that, there are so many variables, right? Anything yeah. can go wrong. Yeah. And since you are so closely associated with it, you know, you are not coming out of that and looking at the broader picture. You are just thinking about, you know, 100 items at any given point in time. Yeah. Uh, so it's yeah. very difficult. It's it's very important to take a step back, you know, and just let things be, uh, you know, and just like focus on some of the most critical aspects. So, but right. yeah,
1: I think this just the nature of the work. Yeah. Okay. Something you wish you knew when you started out uh, in marketing.
0: I think… Um, Probably digital marketing, though it was very early at that time because I started in 2005 and uh, I think Twitter came in what 2007 or 8, so yeah. it was pretty new back then. Uh, but I think digital marketing has really grown to a completely different level, right, as compared to the traditional marketing channels and there is still such a long way to go. Um, yeah. So, someone who joins, uh, you know, who gets into marketing now, obviously, you know, uh, first and the most important thing to know is digital marketing. You know, that's where things start. Uh, so I, you know, probably when I started, if if digital was at you know those stages where I could learn a little better, a little early on, I think uh, that I would have liked.
1: Right. Right. Uh, something you wish you knew before uh, you know you started out at Exotel.
0: The the pace at which um, things run, hmm. right? Because. Um, See, for, uh, the growth is a focus of all the organizations, but then uh, it's also at what pace that you want to grow, right? And the entire organization have, has to align with that. And, uh, you, you know, it's like, as I gave, you know, sit, uh, sitting at the wheel example, you know, you're just put in there and you have to figure things out, out on our own. Uh, but that has its own benefits, of course. Uh, but then I think some uh, experience in handling that, that sort of
1: pace uh, would have helped. Yeah, I mean, you can never prepare for that pace, really. I mean, uh, it's something that you just have to live and experience. I don't think you can ever prepare for that pace. Right. Yeah. The best quarantine hack? I think
0: um, taking a forced break uh, from working. I think that's uh, that's a must. There's absolutely no uh, demarcation uh, between... uh, Work, work, life bleeds. And personal, work just bleeds yeah. into personal life now. Right, so, right, right. Yeah. So I think figuring out a way to uh, just break that uh, chain. Um, sometime in the evening probably uh, going for a run and just uh, you know, giving that cap that, that is needed to you know, shift back to your personal life.
1: Sure. Yeah. I agree with that as well. Uh, what, uh, what book are you reading right now or what book would you recommend to people?
0: Uh, I'm reading this uh, book called Deep Thinking by Gary Kasparov. Um, oh, no. it's about uh, how he was beaten by an uh, IBM machine. I think this was 1997, you know, in a chess game. So he talks about that journey, journey of computers and the quest uh, to beating humans at chess, and how that has evolved to uh, beating humans at Go, and where the next frontier lies. So he shares all his experiences and. I think he's one of the few guys who has, uh, uh, you know, as I say, if you can't uh, beat them, you know, join them. So, he has joined uh, the cause of the machines. So, he has a very interesting uh, perspective to share in the book.
1: Yeah, I know that's a, there's a phenomenal documentary on AlphaGo, actually. Right, right, right. Uh, And, uh, you know, I mean, you're just rooting for that human guy, right, to succeed. Yeah. Uh, yeah sign of times to come i mean seriously i don't know what what's going to happen when the machines take over yeah but i think in the end the, the human wins right anyways <laughs> let's hope so let's hope that it wins. Yeah. so uh any podcasts that you listen to and that you recommend as well of course this one is you know something that goes without saying then right? it goes without saying yeah
0: yeah anything <laughs> else <laughs> uh I'm not much of a podcast guy, but from whatever I've heard, I think I like uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there is no time limit, you know, So it's like a massive brainstorming session. Yeah. And it's just like a free flowing, uh, you know, thing of train of thoughts. So I, I like that format. And he has some really amazing people on the podcast. So, yeah, that, that is the one I would highly recommend. He just struck a 100 million deal with Spotify, by the way. Yeah. So, so that's. Yeah, I mean, imagine he's he's gone from where to where, right? You know, yeah. from doing podcasts on what YouTube to now.
1: Yeah, from, million. from from Fear Factor, dude. Remember, I mean, he was the host of the Fear Factor, uh-huh. and from right, Fear Factor. Right. To- oh, now I remember. <laughs> that's what I think. I've seen him somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> he, correct, he, correct. Oh, he damn. He wasn't completely bald that time. Yeah, so, now I remember. Yeah, so from Fear Factor to MMA to podcasting to yeah. Yeah, because in his
0: bio, they always say uh, MMA commentator and things like that, right? Yeah, exactly,
1: yeah. So,
0: I'm always thinking that, you know, this guy looks very (laughs) familiar, okay, now I know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. All right, Dave, this has been a fascinating uh, conversation, a lot of insights that we've uncovered, uh, certainly will be helpful for all of the people who are listening to this. Um, I really hope so. (laughs) No, I know so. So... Uh, you know, uh, to round this episode, uh, what do you have coming up and, uh, you know, any words of advice for marketers uh, who are listening to this and, you know, are executing in times of uh, COVID, right? Which is not a, mm-hmm. uh, definitely not an easy time to be a marketer. So any words of advice? You know, spend some time
0: on building customer centricity um, within the marketing or, uh, because in times like this I think it's not very advisable to uh, be salesy in in your messaging right yeah so having some bit of customer centricity definitely helps spend time with product teams spend time with sales teams uh, get to understand the customer better and uh, then you know the whole process of building content, and content pieces and everything that can follow uh, but I think uh, this uh, phase will give us a lot of lessons and learning on how to manage and handle future uh, situations that may arise of a similar nature so i think an understanding of the customer is is uh, probably the need of pr for everyone in the organization
1: absolutely absolutely fantastic note to end the podcast on thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast and you know definitely we should do a follow-up sometime soon
0: thank you so much gary it was lovely talking to you
1: thanks for having me Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Startup Operator. Every weekend, we'll interview operators at fast-growing startups and curate insights that can help you do better. This podcast is available on all popular platforms. If you like our content, don't forget to subscribe and share. Thank you. Until next time, put your head down and execute.